Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Danny Roth. And this is Song vs. Song. Uh, today we are doing two songs that will uh, probably get us eaten alive when people hear this. We are doing I'm Not Okay, I Promise by My Chemical Romance versus Sugar We're Going Down by Fallout Boy. Yep. These are two, uh, two, two very unknown bands. I mean, they're, they're mid-tier, you know. I, I think they got some fans, but... Mm-hmm. Now, it never really had that big breakthrough hit. Uh, this is as close as they got. Uh, why, so why did you pick these two <laughs> as a head-to-head? Uh, you know, the 2000s, there's a lot of stuff we haven't covered there yet. And for me, that decade is defined entirely by emo to me. Like, that is the sound of uh, that on that nameless decade that we never came up with a name for. And... I think they were like that was like the first sound that really belonged to that decade, and so that's I wanted those were like by far the two biggest songs from the two biggest bands, except for uh, I guess Panic at the Disco would have also made a good third in there, but I don't do song versus song versus song. That'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I mean just that's absolutely just... ridiculous. What the hell are we even talking about? But I I absolutely could have picked uh, their big one. I write sins, not tragedies. That would have uh, that would have worked too, but uh, I think we had staked out the ones we liked the most of the three already. So I figured uh, we could uh, panic and wait, and panic is doing fine right now. They're the only ones still making hits. Yep. So uh, which one did you pick again? Uh, I picked. I'm not okay. And I picked uh, sugar. We're going down. And um, like I said, we may get eaten alive by this because that fan base is intense. Both of them. Let's be honest at the top. Um, you know, this is the old dude, Harry Jane Reynolds. You're listening to Less Than Jake. Uh, no, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm a lot older than uh, I think probably the the people who listen to this music. I like one of these songs by sheer chance. Um, what well, I don't have any attachment to My Chemical Romance. I know who Gerard Way is because I worked in a comic book store and he makes mm-hmm. comic books sometimes. That's why I know him far more than his music career. As far as Fall Boy Fallout Boy is concerned. I am aware that the people at the comic book store I worked with were really big fans. I don't get it. I, I, and it's not, which is not a, a slam against them. I think they just kind of were that pop punk band that came out uh, after my time when I just wasn't, I had mine from yeah. the 90s and maybe early aughts. And, um, and I just didn't really need Fallout Boy. Didn't really need them. Well, it's a funny thing. Like, you may be too old for it, but apparently you're, there's, there is not too young for it because I, I see like five year olds being like, oh, yeah, they're my favorite band ever. Yeah. Either of them. Like, I've worked with five year olds <laughs> and can attest that that's true. And, you know, Fall Out Boy is still around. They're just uh, not very good anymore. Like, everyone. Uh, why would you say that? <laughs> just why would you? You know, it's a funny thing. I was uh, looking at my phone one day and uh, Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card came on. And I was like, this is a really good song. I love this song. So I got on my phone, and I may have had a few at this point. And I was like, Panic at the Disco and My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy, these are all good bands, like the bands of their genre. But Ocean Avenue is better than any song they ever, yeah, any I of see, them ever wrote. I, I did see you tweet that. Yeah, and I got a lot of people, like, for the rest of the week, just to, <laughs> apparently that was not okay. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, I, I got eaten alive on Twitter for the rest of that. Let's say in the cold light of day, I'm not sure I stand by. <laughs> I stand by that hot take. So why would why do you go with I'm not okay if this is not your genre? This is a 
Well, if you wanted honesty, <laughs> that's all you had to say. Um, uh, I so before I when I picked it, it was just uh, it's a song that I've heard. It's a song that I do at karaoke, which I feel like comes up a lot on this podcast. Songs uh, we do at karaoke; <laughs> those are important. Uh, they are. They have an intrinsic value that yeah. other songs just don't got, and that was definitely one of those. But what I realized after the fact is that um, My Chemical Romance. That's a Jersey band. That's oh, are they? Instantaneous win. That you know, what I mean, which is so silly to say, but um, I feel that I can almost sense when a band is from Jersey. Uh, I would not have guessed that at all. If I, if anything, I was, I assumed they were going to be like uh, Vegas, like uh, the Killers. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I could also see them being like a West Coast LA band too. Yeah, they do not seem East Coast at all. I like New York, maybe, maybe a big city, not Jersey. Well. Not- Allow me to educate you. Um, okay. The reason why I am not that surprised. Uh, so I grew up uh, in New Jersey in the 1990s, and um, the punk and ska scene in New Jersey was thriving. Uh, I'm not I, saying a lot I of those. I entirely believe it. I'm not saying that a lot of those bands made it out of Jersey. Yeah. But you know, if you were going to clubs in Newark or Hoboken or Weehawken or what are other Jersey towns? It doesn't matter. Paramus, uh, which is where, you know, like they were, you know, I grew up around Paramus, which is in Bergen County, and there are a lot of uh, bands, ska bands especially, that kind of played around in that area, like Paramus and Wayne and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, during that period, that sort of mid to late '90s time, ska and punk were sort of almost synonymous because they were so incestuous uh, as genres during that period. I remember uh, anybody that kind of grew up during that time in that state would very easily be influenced by that music. And just because it faded from perhaps the larger public consciousness does not mean that it would have left the Jersey consciousness. Uh. Because as we all know, Jersey has a tendency to hang on to things. There's a reason why Bon Jovi could still sell out a show in, 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 uh, in Jersey, you know, like you're going to go to a Bon Jovi show. You just are, you're going to go see Springsteen. You just are. That's just a fact. Um, so things tend to live forever in New Jersey once they gain any kind of genuine foothold. Um, so that's one thing. And then the other thing, which I didn't know uh, about them, which I think is really interesting and, and relevant to the song in question, is why they actually, why Gerard Way decided to form a band. Do you know this? I do not. Why? It's because of 9-11, Todd. Oh, geez. Are you kidding me? Nope, that's a fact. 9-11 happened, and Gerard Way was very upset about it. And so the first album is, in some vague way, a response to 9-11. I've been kind of wondering, he's like, you, you said you wanted to get more into the history here. That early Bush, that first Bush uh, administration, that was a rough time. It was, and so I think that this is kind of relevant so, yeah, so first of all, the thing to know is, uh, so the first album is called I, I Brought You My Bullets, You Brought Me Your Love. It was not a huge, successful album, but they did sort of do a lot of local shows. They toured a little bit. Uh, and a thing that's really relevant, um, speaking of things that are sort of historical and important, they were one of those bands that found success because you could download their music for free on MySpace. MySpace, that's right. They yeah. are a MySpace band. I think Fall Out Boy was too. Um it's interesting because that really represents a pretty 
particular era. And there's an article that um, Pitchfork had actually written at the end of 2004 where they came up with the top 50 singles of that year, My Chemical mm-hmm. Romance, not making that list somehow, uh, which I find to be pretty surprising considering the fact that there's a Christina Milian song on there. Uh, so there's no, no, no accounting slow. for taste. <laughs> but um, but what they sort of opened up with was the fact that because we'd now had uh, iPods for a couple of years since 2001 and since we'd sort of seen the boom and bust of Napster and the evolution of iTunes, that uh, people were more comfortably listening across the board to every type of music. And I yeah. think that that is also interesting because I'm Not Okay is kind of a marriage of 90s punk and 70s cock rock. Well, the, the 70s cock rock thing is uh, they were always a very big queen band. Yeah. So you can sort of see the the two of those, or I guess hear the two of those right away. That's, yeah. it's that, that's something it's that, that comes that out in the song. Uh, that solo, that's uh, I was like, oh, they're doing Queen. I totally get this now. Yeah, yes, uh, very much so. So that was a thing that was happening, and 2004 was kind of the right year for that genre of music because it's also the same year of like Modest Mouse, uh, Killers, and Franz Ferdinand. Yeah, like the big indie boom. And 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 speaking of punk albums, it I mean, the, yeah, it was the year of American, American Idiot, Idiot. I already, which was yeah. Green Day's. Enormous comeback, which happened towards the end of that year, I think around September. Right. And uh, I guess wake me up when September ends. But uh, but yeah, I mean, so this is all kind of happening concurrently in pop music. Uh, so I think that they were sort of poised in that way to become successful. It was the right time. And I think in that way, also, it made sense for a Jersey band that was still kind of clinging on to this pop punk era of music to also find success well i tell you what uh do you remember emo before the big fallout boy and my chemical romance breakthrough you mean like when it was a little when it was split between the more acoustic-y dashboard confessional and then your screamo kind of stuff these two counterpoints you mean these two two distant stars yeah do you i I was mostly familiar before 2004, and honestly, I think of these both these songs more 2005-ish because they were released towards the end of that year and didn't really peak until, I think, the year after. Mm. But before that, emo was only an insult to me. Yep. Like, it was not a compliment. It was something that girls listened to. <laughs> no, it wasn't even a genre of music to me. It was just a... This whole sense of, you know, being a stupid, whiny teenager with no perspective and uh, no ability to handle your shit. That's well, because you're old. You see? <laughs> oh, I was old ahead of my time, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that was true. Uh, that was a joke about the, the, the girls thing. Don't at me about that. That's, <laughs> that's not a real thing if you knew me at all. Anyway, yeah, I think what's kind of interesting, though, is that if you look, I mean, the, so the song itself um, is about a, about a kind of a breakup. It's about a girl cheating on uh, her mm-hmm. boyfriend with a guy who is singing the song. And he feels somewhat bad about it. Yes, he feels somewhat <laughs> bad about it. But in general, it was supposed to be a song about any old disenfranchised person. And so I think part of why it was so successful was that you didn't have to be a sad high school student. Because mm-hmm. if you were, I don't know, let's say, mm, ballpark random figure that I figured, figured just kind of like pulled out of my ass, uh, 24 in 2004, <laughs> uh, that's how old I was. That is not too old for any of this. 
Let me tell you something, though. <laughs> Getting a job, probably not going to happen to you. Uh, <laughs> I had been out of college for about two years, and I'll tell you that my job prospects were nil. Um, from about 2001 to 2003, we were in a nasty-ass recession, and we were only starting to come out of it in 2004, but they were recording this record in 2003. So I think you can kind of see the DNA of that just as much as any old sad like kid about a girl type of song. I think that that was the other thing that was happening is that you were dealing with the fact that there were no jobs. And then as the jobs came back, they were switching from um, full-time positions to um, freelance gigs, part-time stuff, which uh, what year is it now? 2019. We're still living it. (laughs) So I think that that is another thing that sort of gives the song a really universal appeal. It doesn't matter how old you are. I think you can really relate to the sentiment I'm not okay. Well, yeah, like we were saying, 2004, 2005, this, this was a real feel-bad time. It was. Here's what I remember most of all. Um, and I don't, I don't remember if we've mentioned it on this podcast before, but in 2003, at the end of the year, it was Halloween, and I went to see um, Kathleen Hanna's band that's not Bikini Kill, La Tigra. Oh, that's a good band. Uh, oh, yeah. Love them. Uh, went to see them. It was the end of 2003, Halloween. Went to see them uh, in New York. I think it was at Irving. And they had an announcer come out and the whole night was this big celebration because George W. Bush wasn't going to be the president anymore. Oh, Jesus Christ. We were all so goddamn happy that this terrible era in America was going to end. I remember this like it was yesterday because uh, right after that, obviously, I mean, (laughs) if you're alive, if you made it, you know. Uh, that John Kerry was not the president of the United States after that. Shock. So, yeah, well, uh, uh, I think that people who were in their teens and 20s had not quite had that experience yet of feeling so confident that the establishment was going to be undone and losing so completely. I mean, I was crushed, and I remember how crushed a lot of people were because I went out to visit my friends in Michigan and La Tigra was doing a show in Detroit mm-hmm. a couple of months later. And gosh, the mood at that show was very different. <laughs> uh, things were pretty goddamn dour. And uh, and so, yeah, that's always the thing that really sticks out about me, about how people were feeling at the time and how that sort of related to music. I mean, well, towards the end of the 90s, we did have new metal but that was a lot, you know, there was a lot of more aggro stuff mixed in with that. And uh, I guess it got kind of tainted by the Limp Bizkit and the Kid Rock and the Woodstock 99s. And in fact, the only new metal band who really continued through that decade was Linkin Park, the most, quote, emo of the... Yes. quote, I guess. They were very emotional in a very involved I guess. kind of way. Is emo what, has really become such a valueless term. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything. It's it's like well, calling that's what somebody it, a hipster. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, it, it definitely meant something to me in those days. And I was like, if anything remotely reminded me of emo, I was like really down on it because these are not emo bands specifically, but they were called emo a lot. I'm talking about like Hawthorne Heights and the, the worst of them, Simple Plan. Yikes. So I was not okay. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't even did it. Yeah, I didn't even do that on purpose. But I was not okay with it. And then Fallout Boy happened. And I guess I can't remember which of the two came out first. Uh, I remember hearing that goddamn Hawthorne Heights won all the goddamn time. He's like, 
cut my wrists and black my eyes. Cut my wrists and black my eyes. Yeah, good grief. And I wanted to puke, and, you know, simple plan was that year also. So it took a lot to pull me out. I was like, actually, emo is good. And uh, My Chemical Romance was one of them, and I, you know, that is, like, you could call I'm Not Okay the most whiny of them all if you wanted to, but I won't because... It was just so over the top that it made it okay. Put it in context. The music video that corresponded with it, which was a send-up of teen uh, movies, of teen movies uh, was so successful that, um, what was it? It was Fuse. Fuse's 25 Greatest Video Countdown. Um, that was the number one video. That oh, was, yeah, it's that a great came video. as number one. And I think that's sort of, again, the success of the song is that it threads a very difficult needle by simultaneously being extremely genuine and incredibly ironic. Yeah, it's a it's a hard thing to... Uh, it's all things to all people. Whatever you want it to be, it really kind of is. Yeah. I like My Chemical Romance, and that video is certainly better than Fall Out Boy's, and any Fall Out Boy video for that matter. I've watched quite a few. They're all kind of bad, honestly. Especially that Sugar We're Going Down one was about a kid with antlers being hunted by... Hunters, I don't know. It didn't make any sense. I saw My Chemical Romance uh, right as I graduated college at the Warp Tour in 2006. They were amazing. Oh, yeah, and that would have been the point that they were really much more of a headliner instead of... Because they opened for Green Day, I think, back yeah. in 2004, 2005. So their their trajectory was um, a real skyrocket, right? Like, they had a boom. And it was because of this album and this song, really. Yeah, that's the thing that broke them. But you know what? Ten years later, I find Fall Out Boy is the one that does it for me. And My Chemical Romance, you know, they're a good band. They're a fun band. But I just don't really connect to them the way I do to Fall Out Boy. And I didn't really connect to Fall Out Boy at the time. In fact, I thought they were kind of assholes. Just like a really dickish band. So now you've become an asshole. Yes. Ex- explain how that worked. Oh, it's been a hard life. But (laughs) (laughs) I've turned bitter and cynical. And Fall Out Boy was a very strange band because they, I think Sugar We're Going Down is one of their, their top tier songs. Well, first off, I'll tell you this. I love it right away because of that intro, that which they rescued from uh, Hire by Creed. I don't say they stole it. I say they rescued it because wow. That, wow. <laughs> I have heard the opening to Hire by Creed and gotten really excited. And I was like, oh, wait. And conversely, I've heard the opening to Sugar We're Going Down. And I was like, oh, I'm going to change this. I was like, oh, wait, it's Fall Out Boy. The thing about I'm Not Okay is, you know, it just kind of is what it is. It's a, you, you don't have to think very hard about it. It just tells you what it is. It's very blunt. It's, he's not okay. Parentheses, he promises. Go ahead. Sugar We're Going Down is kind of all over the place, and it's kind of like whatever you need it to be. Like, if you want it to be like this happy, romantic song, you can. Like, you really heartfelt and sincere. And if you want it to be this, like, miserable asshole song, if you, want to, if you feel miserable and asshole and you're in a petty, jealous mood, it can be that for you, too. Are you saying if you ever felt alone? <laughs> oh, shut up. Richard, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, he's reading the, the tagline off the fake trailer that 
the I'm not okay video is in case you missed that one. I don't know. There's just something about like a guy who is just like that prepared to make himself look that petty. There's like a certain asshole charisma to it. And uh, I, you're probably not into them, but the 1975, the newer band also does that really well. I don't know. There was just something more interesting and mysterious about Sugar We're Going Down. Just, I mean, because you couldn't understand him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see that viral video that was going around of, uh, I guess this would have been even before YouTube, of like the lyrics of Sugar We're Going Down? No. Oh, it was just like some guy writing out the lyrics and illustrating them. And he clearly had no idea what any, any of the words were. It's like, I'm just the nuts in your bed post. You're just a lottie da da. <laughs> That's great. I like that just because um, when I was in high school, I didn't know any of the lyrics to any songs. <laughs> so I thought I knew what they meant. Yeah. And what? I was always, always so wrong. I, uh, at, when I was a freshman in high school, I wrote down what I thought the lyrics were to Lithium by Nirvana. <laughs> and, uh, and my, um, this, this kid that I, I, um, who played guitar with me who was kind of a prick. Uh, and I'm sure he's very nice right now because he's old, which means that he's he's too tired to be mean now. He's got kids. <laughs> Go beat him up. Yeah, that's it. I said, I'm going to get you, Chris Loria. But yeah, he, yeah. he actually pulled my uh, sheet out and said, let's see what the fuck Roth thinks the lyrics to Lithium were. Uh, I am not going to say what I, they were wrong. Um, and it was very embarrassing. For but yeah, it makes sense um, that I think that you kind of don't, I don't know, when you were a kid, did you obsess over getting the lyrics right? Or did you just kind of, was it the feeling that you got? If it sounded right, I didn't, I couldn't care what the lyrics were. Well, and that's what I'm saying. You know, I always, you know, maybe not the, the person to bring up in these times, but uh, Michael Jackson didn't really care about lyrics particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times he would just use words because he felt the sound of a word evoked something different than the actual meaning of the word. Yeah. And well, I think that that's, you know, that's kind of a, a universal truism about music. Yeah. I mean, the Chili Peppers, they love their cadences and consonants and that. Yeah, it's not really, you know, it's not necessarily about what the songs mean. Fall Out Boy and their lead, oh, I get not lead singer, lead songwriter, Pete Wentz, yep. is, uh, was like the ideal rock star or for that particular genre because he just looked the part and he was uh, had that rock star energy as opposed to their actual lead singer who just seemed to get uglier and fatter every single episode and like further in the background while... Pete Wentz just like jumped in front of him like look at me look at me but he like he had he had the guy liner and he had the floppy bangs in 2019 we actually just called that eyeliner it was yeah well it was not it was 2004 we called it guy liner all right (laughs) after that big breakthrough he uh he turned the scene into an arms race in his own words and that's uh I think that's where the, (laughs) the massive eye roll yeah I just here's the thing I'm 39 years old I don't give a shit you know, Pete Wentz can say whatever he wants. I think at the time, I I I thought it was just so so douchey, um, <laughs> which I I think is kind of a, a, another term that's kind of gone by. I don't think people say things are douchey in the year of our Lord twenty nineteen, but in two thousand five, you certainly did. Uh, and he was a real douche. Oh yeah, he absolutely was, and a uh, massive tool. Part of the reason I think Sugar We're Going Down is better than his other hits is that it's just like balances it all out it's got the romance and it's got the uh live journaly cringe lyrics 
as opposed to like later stuff where he was like, I got to be the biggest rock star in the world. Love me. To be honest, he was kind of be- did that before that, before their big break. I had uh, friends who were scene kids who were into My Chemical Romance and Fall Out Boy way before I was. And they would play me some of their stuff. And it was Fall Out Boy's stuff was just like all this like gossip about other bands in the scene that they in the, in the arms race, I guess. Yes, I I <laughs> actually find that more loathsome now than I did then. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, like that's the thing. Like, look at look at the difference in the trajectory. It's like on one end you got Pete Wentz who was doing that and having you know his TV show Best Inc. Uh, which is what, what is that? Um, it was it was a show about I think it was a, it was just a, a show about tattoos and stuff. Huh. I don't think I'm making that up. Uh, yeah, it was a reality competition series on Oxygen that judged tattoo artists. And I, you know, that, let's just say, not for me. Um, you, that's you, that's you, no, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm a good boy. I have no tattoos. Uh, but also, it just sounds really corny. Yeah. And then, conversely, um, <laughs> related to art, Gerard Way uh, worked with Dark Horse and made a comic book called uh, yeah. Umbrella Academy, which you can now see the TV adaptation on Netflix. And if that don't say at all, I just, you know, to me, um, one of these guys is, is is like a genuine, like seems like a cool dude, makes some good art, but isn't a prick about it. And then the <laughs> other one just really, frankly, doesn't have that much to offer me personally and just thinks he's real great. You know, there's a... Not as much angst in Fallout Boy as there was in a, you know the other the other bands, and I always kind of compared them more to Maroon Five, honestly. Than, not, and that's not I didn't understand how you picked this band. Everything you know, that you're saying, I, Maroon doesn't really... Five was not a bad band in 2005. I mean, they were they weren't my favorite, but they were. <sighs> I'm writing myself in a corner. <laughs> I mean, well, well, here's a here's a question: Who's more obnoxious, Adam Levine or Pete Wentz? Yeah, boy. Well, I'll tell you what. These well, one of them is still out there with a TV show at least once a week. Pete Wentz, you know, Fall Out Boy broke up. Yep. They all did solo projects. They all bombed. They got back together. They're in their new stuff is okay. They're uh, less angsty, less emo. They're more, in the, they're more fully into their complete rock star mode. Like, we are the, the best. And, uh, you know, they've got their little niche. They're a niche band now. That was once huge, thought they were going to be the biggest band in the world, and have retired to their correct place. Adam Levine is still around. Yep. He has only ever gotten worse. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. The bigger he gets, the worse he gets. You know, it's my understanding, Todd, that you either die a hero, (laughs) or you live long enough to see yourself become one of the permanent hosts of NBC's The Voice. Uh, Well... Adam Levine was not ever going to die a hero. Let's be clear here. <laughs> Boy, um, this took a turn. <laughs> Why not, talk more about the, the the song? Why don't you? I think the guitar work is really amazing on "Sugar We're Going Down." It's really good, and it keeps changing. I mean, except for that intro, which kind of sounds like the intro to "Higher" by Creed. I don't. I can't think of a song that reminds me of anything they're doing there. On Sugar We're Going Down, like they changed the way they, the rhythm of the guitar, like mid chorus. And I just don't know, I've heard anything sound like that before or since. Uh, not even from the other emo bands, certainly not now, now that Fallout Boy and Panic at the Disco are basically pop acts with like hip hop beats behind them. 
Oh, I miss the good old days before they sucked. But I, I, I just, you know, I, I think you're not ever in, into panic either. Panic's okay. I, <laughs> I don't know. I think, again, part of the reason why I have embraced My Chemical Romance over Fallout Boy and maybe even over um, Panic is because their style, emo though it was, felt more in keeping with the stuff that I had been listening to the decade previous. That's the thing. It felt like a more worthy inheritor to uh, no effects, Blink-182 especially, uh, but, you know, Goldfinger, stuff like that. Yeah, I I guess I kind of see that. Fallout Boy came from a a different uh, lineage, I guess. More from the the Jimmy Eat world than the... uh the actual other emo bands, I guess. Yeah, and I just I felt that my my Chemical Romance does have a certain degree of this, but, but um, I don't know if I would call it a New Jersey pedigree, but certainly uh, I think growing up in that part of the country has a kind of an influence on you because I know what the fuck we were listening to in New Jersey. <laughs> it's just circa, you know, 94 to 2000, um, a.k.a., you know, my, my high school and early college years, and it was that stuff, you know. I mean, No Effects was like the the band when I started and then it became Blink-182 who started off kind of um, uh, indie-ish and then blew I remember up that, that was a, real fast, that, real that became quick. a very different band. But, you know, I think you can kind of see, um, I look at My Chemical Romance and think um, from their first record to their second one, it kind of reminds me of the evolution that NoFX made from ribbed to like punk and drublick let's say, you know, a little less heavy, a little less shouty, a little more poppy and a little more clever. I don't know. And I, so I think for those reasons, I personally gravitate to this song a little bit more. Well, you know, I don't know. I guess my problem with My Chemical Romance, and it's not a big problem, so don't eat me alive, My Chemical Romance fans, but their stuff is just like so broke to me. What is that broken in, in what context? I just like, I don't know. It just always felt a little more abstract. Like I, you know, like the black parade and their costumes and stuff yeah and i mean I was that's pretty like, over the top i like their stuff and i sing along when i hear it but it never really quite hit my soul and it, it's weird to say that about a song whose so- title is literally i'm not okay that one's like their one that's not hard to figure out at all i will say this which is not really so much a slight against uh michael chemical romance but it does make me wonder about the song outside of the band uh i found one cover of it by this guy, Matt Pond, PA. And he, he did the song, like, it was like a Snow Patrol torch song. It's, <laughs> I, I was going to say. Way to miss the point, you idiot. I, uh, yeah, I don't want to be a dick, but it sucked. Uh, I mean, I haven't listened to any other music by Matt Pond, PA, so this is not, you know. I've heard of him. I'd I'm not really here to do a, a Matt Pond, PA diss track. Uh, I just know that the, trying to transform that song into something different don't work. I think that that song can kind of only exist in the one form. I don't think that you can do a postmodern jukebox version of that and have it be great. I think it kind of really, like you said, is what it is. I've only ever heard, and I have not heard it, I've only heard of one cover of Sugar We're Going Down. See, apparently, whenever she goes into town, she plays a song by the band that uh, comes from there. So when Taylor Swift rolled into Chicago... She did Sugar We're Going Down at one point. The look on your face, man. Also also not really speaking <laughs> great for Fall Out Boy. Not really helping the case. 
I mean, I know Taylor Swift is speaking of other people who I feel like we we oughtn't besmirch <laughs> uh, on this podcast, at least not today. Someday we'll pick a Taylor Swift song, and then no. uh, and then we can have the complex, nuanced conversation that is Taylor Swift. But seriously, try and imagine Taylor Swift singing. And I, I think this was like back when she was still country ish. So on her acoustic guitar, yeah. No, I'm going to pass. I'm good. We've talked a lot about My Chemical Romance. We've given it an awful lot of context to this song, yeah. but um, I still haven't heard anything. I See, at this point, I uh, feel that you should be coming to my side of things. You should relent and realize that I'm correct. I haven't uh, heard anything yet that really tells me you know, why this song is so great. What Pete Wentz was good at was like writing these like tiny little phrases and Oasis was really good at this, too, where you weren't quite sure what it meant, but it somehow meant everything. Like, I'll be your number one with a bullet. I'm just a notch in your bedpost, but you're just a line in a song. These are lyrics that you don't quite know what they mean, but that it had that like mystery to it where you could make it mean anything you wanted deep down in your soul. And Like I said, Oasis was really good at this. I mean, no one knows what Wonderwall means and no one knows what. Oh, speaking of, I want it that way. That's another one that was uh, always good at that, where you couldn't quite tell what exactly it meant. Yeah, like what way? <laughs> and tell you why what? Yeah. And I, I think that's what kind of put it over the top for me, just like that mysterious thing where it was like so, like almost like a surrealist song where you knew what it meant, but you didn't know what it meant. It's weird because, you know, Pete Wentz has said that he felt that the chorus was a throwaway. You know, yeah. that's the thing that he said uh, in a 2009 um, interview with uh, Spin, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And also, apparently, the whole sugar thing was uh, because in older music, people used to say sugar and honey yeah. a lot. And he w- he came up with the lyrics with his dad. Oh, I mean, I guess sweet. that's kind of nice. Yeah. Well, I've also heard Patrick Stump, the uh, the lead singer, he sang it incomprehensibly on purpose. I oh, think he yeah, said- yeah. He thought it sounded better to slur it. He was not ever a great enunciator anyway. Yes, but, but you see he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> like uh, like so many things. Um, if if we said anything wrong in this podcast, for example. I d- yes, we did we, it on purpose. We did that on purpose. Um, that was very intentional. And you know what? Say this for Patrick Stump. Uh, I think he realized he squandered uh, Fall Out Boy's peak years, and now he looks real good. I, I appreciate the way he looks now. He's a... Uh, All right. He's going to be the rock star, and Pete has been like, you know what? I think I'm going to take a backseat. I spent enough of my life being a douchebag. Sounds good. All right, so yeah. let's. Uh, oh, what's let's, the verdict? Let's hear it. Well, did, first of all, was there anything? Did anybody um, say anything in the poll? That's that, well, no. Well, there was one repeated theme that I saw over and over again. This is their worst song. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Which one or both? Both. Wow, really? <laughs> Yeah, you well, you know the super fans. Yeah, I guess. Like Nirvana fans hate "Smells Like Teen Spirit" and Radiohead fans hate "Creep" and all. Oh, Metallica really? Fa- uh, I guess I'm doing fan wrong because yeah, I the, like both those songs. Metallica fans shit on "Enter Sandman." Oh, Lord, <laughs> I guess if you're 12, sorry, sorry, <laughs> listeners. Those are. I mean, I, I get it. I mean, bands that I really, really like a lot. Like, I wouldn't say that Creep is the worst Radiohead song, but, you know, I mean, uh, there are songs that I prefer. I mean, I get I get that one, because if you can be a Radiohead super fan, and that that's like a weird anomaly in their... Oeuvre, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it really stands out. But Pobble, it smells like Pobble Honey on a Hole is kind of a weird record, but... Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Smells Like Teen Spirit doesn't have to be your favorite Nirvana song. I don't know. Wouldn't I don't think it would yeah. be. I don't actually don't think Smells Like Teen Spirit even tops. I don't think it's even my top five yeah. Nirvana songs. I think it is my top five songs. Period. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, yeah. you know, there's no No, nothing for, has ever diminished the power of you, that. You, you also picked Fall Out Boy uh, in, in this uh, <laughs> yike. Anyway, can't wait for the comments. So, all right. Oh, yeah, we're going to eat in the live. Here we go. Not only because we shat on them, because we didn't like uh, the ones we voted for enough. Oh, uh, well, that's, that's okay. You I, know, you I, know, I accept the consequences. You know who's a great band? Paramore. They played my college right at the end of uh, when I was out there. That nobody, little Paramore, she was like eighteen. She was extremely tiny. Them in Motion City soundtrack, and that was a a good way to close out my college career and uh, head out into the uh, horrible, horrible world. I mean, speaking of not okay, yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Oh, so what what are what are the results? What's yeah, the damage? We we're going down. All right. You know what? I don't think you're going to see this coming. Uh, it's a sugar we're going down by a whopping sixty to forty percent. I'm shocked by that. I don't get it. I just, I mean, it's not that I hate the song. I just never connected with it at all. I mean, no, I mean, I, here's the thing. I expect nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't, I don't look at this and think that this is somehow a blight. These results. Yeah. That there's somehow some kind of insult to um, the sanctity of, of pop punk music. I don't think so. Like, I think it's just, uh, I think it's that follow up boy just does have an absolutely massive, as I have seen again and again, uh, fan base in a way that My Chemical Romance just doesn't. I do think that when you hear Gerard Way, there's a huge percentage of people that think comic books before they think music. So I think that's a part of well, it too. Well, part of it is that they never reformed. Yep. That's and true. you know, Fall Out Boy's still out there, still uh, they have like minor hits every now and then and uh, they roll on. But like Emo kind of stopped after, you know, they released the, their follow-up albums, they had a couple of hits and then they disappeared and Emo kind of disappeared and in fact, for the entire Obama administration, there was not bands like this. Only man, I, uh, what a mystery! Uh, why that would be? I mean, it, it feels like I'm projecting. Like it can't possibly be that simple. Sure, it can. But it is. And in fact, the only new band I, I, that Kids Angst to that came out was uh, Twenty One Pilots towards the end of the Obama administration, 2016, right as things went to shit. So. I just keep telling myself I can't be that can't be that neat. But when during the Obama administration, I'd ask people, "Is like what do the kids angst out to anymore?" And they were like, "Oh, Smashing Pumpkins, My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy, Nirvana." Like, yep, we were too happy. Yeah, to- yeah whatever it was, the ninety-two-three K Rock, um, yeah. which is the radio station that I grew up listening to, that kind of comes and goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they were still just playing music from the the mid nineties through to the mid two thousands. Basically, like, 96 to 2006 was what you heard. Yeah, there was no big angst band in the <laughs> between 2008 and two, 2016. Well, there you go. All right, so, uh, Mr. In the Shadows, mm-hmm. what are we doing next episode? Well, as a tribute to the upcoming movie Ugly Dolls... Oh, boy. I'm, I put this to you. Either Kelly Clarkson, Since You've Been Gone, or Pink's... Get the party started. I'm taking Kelly Clarkson. Okay, I am comfortable taking Pink. Okay, well, I feel we discussed this at a bar yesterday, and that's why I felt confident enough. You feel good, you feel good, you feel that you can take. If yes. you were going to go first, you were going to take Pink. Maybe. <laughs> uh, gosh, all right. Well, I'm excited to see how yeah. that one's going to go. Um, hey, that's the podcast. Do you want to give the spiel? Oh, right. If you enjoy this podcast... 
why don't you support us on patreon.com slash song versus song. That is song vs song. Check it out. We uh, we love the support, and we're going to be putting up some uh, Patreon episode exclusives. Yep, there's going to be stuff coming out, just so that you're aware. Every second and fourth Wednesday of the month, there will be new uh, episodes of The Standard Show. We are going to be putting out um, bonus episodes where Todd and I go watch movies of some type, and we'll yeah. talk about those, because Lord knows we both uh, talk about movies enough on Twitter. We might as well give you guys a bonus, so if you're a, if you're a patron... You'll get to hear us talk about that stuff too, and uh, and it really is critical. I have to tell you um, uh, that you do two things: one, go on iTunes and give a review that really does help us, and two, we put up these uh, these polls every time, and it's I think even more important for you to put a comment uh, as to why you like one song versus the other because it really gives us an opportunity to sort of not just have our own opinions in the mix, but to have yeah. yours too. I want this to be a community podcast. So yes. please, please do that. Yeah, um, please, you go on a Patreon. You don't need to support us. You just have to fill out an account. And please leave your comments. And if it, we get some especially good ones, we will read them on the air. Yep. And we'll see you next time, uh, along with uh, Kelly Clarkson and whatever Pink's real name is. Alicia Moore. Don't dead. How do you know? Like how that. do you not know that right off the top of your head? I mean, <laughs> who knows? We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.